morning, everyone. What a wonderful week before Easter, uh, leading up to Easter, expecting good things uh, for next week's Easter service. Uh, it's going to be a great time. Um, we are in the middle or at the end of our earthquakes uh, sermon series uh, that we've been in for a few weeks now. Um, this is actually week three, so this was a three-week series about earthquakes and what the Bible says about them and how they are uh, predictors of things to come and events in our life. And if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 13. And we'll look uh, at our text, Mark chapter 13, beginning at verse 1. It says, Then as he went out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, see what manner these stones and what buildings are here? Jesus answered to him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign that these things will be fulfilled? Jesus answered them, began to say, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and will deceive many. But when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be troubled, for such things must happen, but the end is not yet. Everybody say, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places, and there will be famines and troubles. These are the beginning of sorrows. But watch for yourselves, for they will deliver you up to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues. You will be brought before the rulers and the kings for my sake, for a testimony to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all the nations. But when they arrest you, do not... And deliver you up, do not, be, do not worry beforehand or premeditate what you will speak. But whatsoever is given to you in that hour, speak that. For it is it not you who speaks, but the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for all the things that you do for us and how that you help us through life. Just cause us to have a sense of peace in this place. And God, help us to be prepared for next Sunday Easter. Help us to be a church that's inviting to others, that we care about those who come to visit us, that we'll be always a welcoming church. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody says, Amen. Amen. So as we read through this and look through this scripture, the first week that we went into earthquake sermon series we talked about how that there is life quakes that God can allow things to happen in our lives from time to time and it's not him that does bad things to us that actually but sometimes he allows things to happen it's not him he, he's the father of good gifts he only gives good gifts but there's times where the enemy comes to him like he did with Job and the enemy has to go before the father and ask for permission to do things because he cannot do things on his own uh, power, he has to get permission. And he asked that he could try Job, and God said, go try him. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Amen? 
So the enemy has to ask permission to mess with you. Everybody say, God's my protector. <laughs> Amen. He's my protector. He's my salvation. He's my strong tower. All the things that Scripture lists, it's who our Heavenly Father is. And we talked about those life quakes that happen, and whenever the enemy comes in, he tries to shift the ground underneath your feet and cause you to be so dismayed by what's going on that you can't make rational decisions and you mess up. And that's kindly the way life goes, that those earthquakes happen that way. And we looked all the way through that uh, text and how that Jesus said he was predicting the things that would come before the end of days or the last times, and he was teaching his disciples. And he wants to teach us how to be prepared, how to be ready, and how to look forward and know that he is with us even in the midst of trouble. Amen. Amen. The last song we just sang a minute ago said, I won't be shaken. I won't be shaken. And we need, as human beings and as uh, the tribe of Bethesdaites we are here, we need to not be shaken. Amen. That we need to be a stable, steady church that helps people in times of trouble that's always there. So week two, we went last week and talked about how that Jesus, when he was hanging on the cross of Calvary, and, and he, he was up there and he had already predicted these things to his his disciples, beloved disciples, and he's hanging on the cross, and everybody had left him. They was all gone. His mom was there, and John was the only disciple that stayed with him, but uh, right up on top of the mountain, and we know from uh, seeing the movies, because the movies always tell the truth, right? Not really, but uh, some of the Bible uh, is held into account on some movies, and they did show the account of Jesus on the cross, and that the uh, Centurion was there, and some of the uh, Roman guards were with him, and they were uh, casting lots for the robe. And as they're doing these things, and they look up, and they're wondering when they're going to die, all three of these individuals on the crosses that day. And as Jesus is hanging there, he uh, goes into this uh, account to where that he knows that it's the end, and he can sense that uh, life is leaving his body. And he's, he's praying, and he looks up into heaven, and he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And as he prays that prayer, the Bible says he gives up the ghost, right? That he, he, he perishes. He, he goes away. His life is gone. And Jesus hanging on that cross to the moment when that happened, it tells us in Scripture that an earthquake happened, and that's in Matthew chapter 27, that an earthquake happens. And when that earthquake happens, it begins to rumble and shake and move things. And the centurion guard looks up and he says, Surely this was the Son of God. We need our eyes opened from time to time as well. Amen? Amen. We need to have God to shake us to say, Yes, He is the Son of God. But as this happens, we know in the story last week that, uh, that as that uh, earthquake happened, that it shook the temple. And Jesus had just predicted to his disciples here in the story we read in Mark chapter 13, and he predicted that these stones would fall apart and, and the temple would fall down, right? That, that, and we know according to Scripture that it says that when that earthquake happened that the veil in the temple was rent in two, that it was torn in two. And as this earthquake happened and this veil was rent, it was symbolic of a lot of things. And we look backwards today at that event, and we know that hindsight is always 2020. Amen? It's easier to look backwards and see and think, well, I, I knew that was going to happen. No, you didn't. <laughs> Life happens, and we don't know it's coming. Amen? But as we look back now, we know that the veil of the temple was rent, and what that means is torn in two. 
And it's symbolic today that, of the fact that, that that was the place. And if you study through the Old Testament, you'll see that uh, when uh, Solomon built the temple and, and the tabernacle of Moses and all those places that they would set up these areas as they would travel with the tabernacle. And even when they built the temple, that there was an outer court, that there's an inner court. And then there was a place called the Holy of Holies in that temple. And it was a place that you wasn't allowed, humanity wasn't allowed to go in. But once a year, God set it up in the Old Testament Levitical law that the chief priest would go in and he would take the sacrificed lamb and the blood of that lamb and he would go in and offer it for the atonement of the sins of all the nation for the year. Once a year, an event. Take it in, an atonement for the nation. And that's the place where it, all throughout the Old Testament you read that it's the house of God, the tabernacle of God. It's the place where God dwelt. So the holiest holies was the place where God was. And it was behind this big veil, this big uh, curtain basically. So it would be like this being the holy of holy area and it would have a big curtain here. And you wasn't allowed him back here but once a year because that's where God was. And as they would go in there, and when that veil was rent, the Jewish people, they were extremely tore up because it was symbolic that now God was not housed in their area. And it's just like us, amen, we try to put God in a box, and God cannot be boxed, amen? He's bigger than any one of us. But today, the scripture tells us, and Apostle Paul tells us, that know ye not that you're a temple of the Holy Ghost? That were temples. The way this temple fell apart and when that curtain was rent and now God was outside, God said he wasn't going to dwell in temples made with hands, but he was going to dwell in our hearts. So today when we kneel uh, on our knees and we pray the sinner's prayer and we ask for forgiveness of our sins and we ask Jesus to be Lord of our life, God himself comes and dwells on the inside of us. Think about that. That the God that used to be held behind a big curtain and not allowed to reach and touch anybody else now is on the outside because this veil was rent and he's living on the inside of you and me. Amen. And this God that's living on the inside of us as Christians today is the God that spoke the earth into existence. There was no earth, and he said, let there be land, let there be sea, let there be birds in the air, let there be fish in the sea. And he created all this stuff by his voice. That God of the universe is living in our hearts. Do you know what kind of power you possess? Wow. So what's that mean? We are a walking, breathing, living church. We are the house of God. These walls are not the house of God. These bodies sitting in this room is the house of God. Amen. That God dwells amongst man now. He's Emmanuel. He's God with us. It's a powerful thing when we think about that. Because scripture goes on to say, Greater is he that's within you than he that's in the world. So we have to ask ourselves in this room today, is the God living on the inside of me more powerful than the devil living on the outside of me? Amen. Greater is he that's inside of me. Church, do you understand the power that you possess today? That you can speak things and they'll come to being. 
You can speak the mountains the way Jesus did because it's not you speaking because God don't want you dealing with that mess. Amen? And that's what it says here in Mark chapter 13 that Jesus tells his disciples. When you go through these troubled times, when all hell breaks out loose in your life, don't have a big quote laid out and ready of what you're going to say. He said the Holy Spirit's going to be on the inside of you and he'll speak and give you the words to say in that moment. That it's not you speaking, it's God speaking. Wow. You mean when I speak, it's God speaking? It's kind of dumbfounding to me that I can stand behind a pulpit and preach a message. It's just dumbfounding to me. And sometimes I'll say things that I don't even understand or don't even think about. And somebody will come up after a service and say, Pastor, you don't know. I was dealing with that and I needed to hear that. And then God spoke to me today. It ain't Pastor Ben speaking to you today. This is God speaking. Amen. It's His Word. It's truth. And we're living powerful beings today. We need to know the power we possess. That if anybody ought to be shaking, it ought to be the devil that I woke up this morning. Amen? That I'm possessing God today. That he's living inside of Ben. And he's come to preach a message to set the captive free. Amen? That we can dwell and walk out of this room liberated by the power of God. Why? Because we need it. Jesus did that on that cross. He made it possible, church. How much power do you have? There should be plenty. If God can fix it, he can fix it through you. Amen? He can speak things through you to fix the mess you're in. So as we think about that, that we're a a temple of the Holy Spirit, the temple of God, a walking, living, breathing church of Jesus Christ. And God did that, and that earthquake was symbolic of that. When Jesus was hanging on the cross and when he died, it fixed it all. There's no longer a need for us to have a holy place that we go to that we have to bring a lamb once a year and we have to kill it on an altar that we got to catch the blood and we got to carry it in and put it on these little instruments and make this incense and do all this stuff. We don't have to do any of that for now. Hebrews says he's our our propitiation. He's once and for all that his blood atoned for us of all mankind. We don't have to do that every year now. Why? Because Jesus died on the cross for you and I. He set us free. And the Bible says he who the Son sets free is what? We're free indeed, aren't we? Amen. How many feels free in this place? I feel liberated. I I feel a sense of peace in this place today. That God is allowing us to do that. So that was the second week, and, and, and we went into that last week. But, but this week, I want us to look at another earthquake event that, that happened and how that it, it can apply to our hearts today and lead us towards Easter. That we've seen that that earthquake happened when the, the centurion seen that was in Matthew chapter 27, verse 54. But this week, I want us to look at another earthquake. It's in Matthew chapter 28, verse 2. And it said, suddenly, there was a great earthquake. It always happens suddenly, don't it? Uh, unexpected events happen in our life. There's suddenlies. There's, there's moments where they come. And I heard a preacher preach on a, a message one time on suddenly and how, how instantaneous and how quick that is that life can happen. And it says, suddenly there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rode aside the stone, and sat on it. Wow. An angel came, rode the stone away, 
and just sat on it. And it caused an earthquake. So if we look at that, there's a lot of things we can pull from this scripture, and there's a lot of ways we can look at this, and, and it just really sticks out to me that how that God pinpointed this place in earth and told the angel, go there and do this one thing. And guess what the angel did? He didn't say, well, I don't feel like it today, or I woke up on the wrong side of the bed, or God, I'm, really not, I'm not really feeling it today. I, I'm more of a Miami-type person than, a, than I really don't feel like going to Jerusalem today. He didn't, he didn't backtalk God. He, God didn't have to convince him of it. God said it, and he did it. Amen. It's obedience. There's a picture in this of obedience. And today I wonder, as Christians, if we were obedient to God and did what He asked us to do, how much better of a world would we live in? Come on, somebody. How much better would our lives be if we listened to God? Because I know this one thing, that if Pastor Ben or if Ben Collier, the living, breathing human body that I am, if I try to fix stuff, I'll make a mess of things. Can I get an amen? I'm talking about you. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking when you say amen, you're saying that's me too. When I try to get involved or I try to fix stuff, I mess stuff up. Amen? Amen. Because that's me. I'm humanity. I'm carnal. My carnal nature is I don't fix things. I break things. Leslie breaks things. She's looking at me mean. She broke some things this week. Yeah, she tore her bus up. It quit right in the middle of the road, died, broke her bus. Now she got to drive a junker bus. Actually, I don't know if she's in fault or not, but we can blame her for her anyway, right? So as this happens, I am prone to make a mess. God is prone to making a message. When God speaks, things get fixed. God does not want to break you. He wants to build you. Amen? God does not want to tear you down. He wants to fix you. He is the God, and the Bible depicts it this way, that we're the potter and he's the clay. And he wants to make earthen vessels for his spirit to dwell in. And God wants to get, wants to get intimately involved in touching your life and shaping you to be what he wants you to be. And it's just so powerful to think about the God that can speak and create a whole world wants to touch and fix our broken lives. That he came here and sent his son to do that. But this earthquake is important in so many ways. <coughs> suddenly. And I'm just wondering if suddenly can happen for us in this room today. That this could be an event where that we sit here and hear a message that allows us to walk out with a new mindset. Or allows us to walk out of this room today and thinking, wow, yeah, God is going to fix some junk in my life. He's going to fix the things that I've broke. Amen? He's going to put mend and, and put back together and cause those to be at peace with me that's been my enemies in times past. And God can fix all kinds of stuff like that. 
there suddenly can happen. But this angel obeys God, and obedience is better than sacrifice. The Old Testament teaches that we're to obey God, that there is an obedience factor that we need to live in. So I'm encouraging you today as a church, if you hear God speak to you and tell you to move, then move. If he tells you to go over here and say this one thing, don't wait, don't challenge it, don't wait for it to come to pass and ask for 15 fleeces and all this stuff. Just go do what he asks you to say. Because when you do that, it allows this moments to happen like this suddenly here in this text in Matthew chapter 28 that an angel did what God said and immediately an earthquake happened. And this earthquake is symbolic. Because now it's not an earthquake where the temple and the, and the curtain is rent. This is an earthquake that allows a stone to be rolled back so that a, a, a living, breathing Jesus can walk out of a tomb that he was borrowing. Yeah. Amen? And think about that. How obedience was for Joseph Arimathea that allowed Jesus to borrow his tomb. That he's allowed Jesus to borrow his tomb. And how many in this room today has your grave plot already bought? Anybody got a grave plot? Already bought one? Yeah. You know where you're going to be buried? You got a tombstone? Anybody got a tombstone already bought? What? Well, you're going to have to go get it, man. Don't leave that on somebody else. Don't leave that to your kids to do. Get it done. I got to get mine done too, man. Last we've been talking about it just here a while back. We're going to go try to get our grave plots and, and get all that figured out. We don't have kids. They probably won't get nothing. They'll just leave us on top of the ground or something. We don't have kids. Just be, nobody want to damn them while he's here, while they want them while they're gone. We better get our own. Get it done. It's something that needs done. But this guy had planned ahead and already done that. And when he had this tomb all. Uh, hewn out of the hill and had this empty cave looking place and, and he had this place he was going to be uh, buried but whenever he seen Jesus hanging on that cross and he seen him pierce him with his sword and, and the spear and, and all that and when they took his body down he went and petitioned and said let me have him and I'll take him and he can borrow my grave because Jesus had been walking around preaching and teaching that yes they're going to tear down this temple but I'm going to build it back in three days and it was speaking symbolically of his life that yes, he was going to die, but he was going to raise again. He wasn't going to remain dead. He was coming out alive. Amen. Victorious over death, hell, and the grave is the way the New Testament teaches us. So this Jesus, and, and by this angel being obedient to roll this stone out of the way, allows Jesus to come out of this tomb. And as he comes out, would you allow Jesus to borrow your tomb? Cindy, you said you already got a grave. Did you say you have one? No? Karen, you the only one that's got one? I guess we'll all just have to live in Karen's house. I don't know. <laughs> Nobody else has got one. She got us four, so we're in we're good shape. Yeah, us four, no more. <laughs> Would you let Jesus borrow your tombstone? Especially if you just said, I just need it three days. Ain't like he's going to need it forever, Pap. He wasn't looking for eternity, but a place to live eternally. He's looking for a place just to borrow for a little while. Just border, just a little, little stay just a little while. Over the weekend, weekend stay. Weekend getaway. He let Jesus borrow it. And if he was allowed to, if he was so caring and so benevolent that he allowed Jesus to borrow his tomb, how much more so should we as Christians be willing to allow Jesus to live inside of this earthen vessel that we're living in. 
Amen? Because this is just temporal. I can tell you right now, this is just flesh, this is bone, and it's not going to be around forever. The Bible says, dust you came and dust you shall return. This body is just something we're living in, and it's just a temporal place for us. Amen? Kind of like that tomb was. And Jesus is just asking, will you let me live inside of you and dwell amongst you and be amongst my people? Will you allow me and give me access to your life? Shouldn't we? Sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? And Jesus just wants to come and be a part with us. And he's asking us today, allow me to live inside of you. Allow me to be the person that fixes the things that you've messed up. And as this earthquake happens, you've got to think about the power that just one angel possesses. This power that he would come down from heaven on assignment that day to a specific spot, and whenever he gets there, he just kind of takes his finger. I'm just imagining in my brain how this works, and this angel there, nobody could see him or anything, and he just kind of takes and just rolls this stone out of the way, and whenever he sets down on it, then it causes an earthquake. That's powerful, right? Bible says that God gives the angels to give charge over you. Amen? That we have a protective force around about us, and sometimes we entertain angels unaware, it says in Scripture. And wherever we're here, that we've got these protective guardians known as angels, and if they have enough power to cause an earthquake, how much more power do they have to protect your life? Amen? That God sends them before you, that they'll prepare a way for you, and they'll go and they'll surround ourselves. And it's in Psalms 91, it talks about a secret place of the Most High. And I believe that's where we are, that these angels encamp around about us. And as we're here today, I can just imagine the angels of heaven around this church building today because of the saints sitting on the inside. Amen? That they're here, they're protecting us, and they're able to give us charge and do things to protect us and prevent us from doing some dumb stuff. Think about the power that those angels possess because they're doing it on behalf of God. Wow. An earthquake from just sitting down. And we think that life quakes happen and they hurt so bad. But if we truly understood the God of heaven that cares so much for us that the Bible says he even knows the numbers of your hairs. Wow. He's looking out for us, church. How powerful is this when we get to thinking about it in this context? That God is with us. And the Bible says, if God be for you, who can be against you, right? Amen? If God be for me, who can be against me? The devil can try to come at me all he wants, but if God's my protector, if he's my strong tower, if he's the one I run into, if he's, he's my safe place, if he is that hiding place, then the devil can do whatever he wants. And sure, it can seem like to everybody outside, seem like you're going through hell, and how'd you make it through that? Because God's with me. Amen? They can look and say, I don't understand. I'd have never made it through something like that. But God is with me, church. Sister Joanne stood up this morning. I love Sister Joanne. She's 80-some years old and, and been through a lot in life and, and, and is now widowed. and, and just uh, She comes to Vanceburg campus just about every week, and, and she loves God and loves people. And as Leslie said this morning, she's the only person that has stuck around with Leslie and myself and pastoring since the day we got there. She was on the board and was one of the ones that voted to allow us to come and be pastors when we first started. And she's the only one left that has stuck with us the entire nine years of our pastoring. And I love her dearly. 
And when she calls or when she speaks, I hold it in high regard. Amen? Because she is a woman of wisdom. She's been saved for years. And, and it, it, you know, it's been unbelievable. Decades she's been saved. But she stood up this morning in her little quivering hands, and she stood up and she said, you know, there was one point in my life when I was young that I felt like taking my own life. She said the enemy was coming against me, and it felt like the world was falling apart, and there was nothing I could do, and it was all just in shambles. And she said, I felt like taking my life, and I thought about how I was going to do it. And then all of a sudden, Jesus spoke to her and, and let her see the picture that her son was going to be the one that would come home from school and find her. And I love that she talked about that because it allows us to see when we're going through hell on this earth, we need to know that there's a God that is with us, church, that he's there protecting us, even from our own dumb self. And I was so glad Sister Joanne spoke about that because it's the number one killer of teens in our society today that they'll take their own life and they need to hear some 80-year-olds stand up with their quivering hands and saying, I wanted to do it once, but God showed me not to. Amen. It needs to be a church that speaks from generation to generation that'll say, yes, God can protect you. God can heal you. God can deliver you. It's what we are as a church. Nothing you're facing is so big that God can't handle it. Do you hear me? This angel sat on the rock and an earthquake happened. And when Jesus come out of that grave, it's so amazing to me that you see that when Jesus come out of that grave, victorious over death, hell, and the grave, he, he accomplished things. Those three days. He wasn't sleeper and he wasn't slumber. The Bible says that God ain't a God that'll slumber. He's not asleep. He's alive and well. And you know where Jesus was at? You can read through Scripture and you'll see. Jesus went into hell. It's literally where he went. He went into the grave. He went into hell. And he took the keys from the enemy. Amen. Who's got the keys today to hell? Death, hell, and the grave. It's Jesus that's got the keys because the enemy was devil who had always had that through the Old Testament that he would lock people up, that he would persecute them, but Jesus went to set the captive free. And he come out with those keys. He wasn't asleep. He was doing business. He might have all been living and breathing in the body that he was living on, that he was born into the Virgin Mary, but he was still doing some stuff. Amen. Can I tell you this? Even when you think God's dead, He's still working. Amen. Amen. He's still working on me. Is He working on you? He ought to be. Because that's the job He's doing is changing us. So I want us to pray a very simple prayer, real fast. I want everybody here to bow your head close your eyes. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I'm asking you to change me, to mold me, to make me more like you, in Jesus' name. Amen. I believe prayers like that can change destinies. They can change lives. I believe that God wants us to be in the business of helping others the way that this angel did. When this angel did this, it says the scripture teaches us, if you read through the gospels, you'll see that the women was doing the business that Jesus 
and the Jewish faith that taught them to do that whenever somebody dies that the, that the women would come and they would anoint them that they would put this uh, different things and they would do these different things during the first three days of death and, and as they were coming and they were doing and they were being obedient but the disciples were locked up in a room in an upper room somewhere hidden afraid that somebody was going to come and kill them living in fear when these women was walking in faith and doing obedience to Christ. And as they were doing that this day, that they walked through there, and they come up that day, and they seen that stone rolled away, and the guards were shaking, and they were quivering and wondering and scared because they thought that somehow that the Roman emperor would do something to them. And these guards were even afraid. But these women walked up, and they seen, and they, they looked inside of there, and there was no Jesus. He had resurrected the way he predicted. Should we be should we, we, should we be surprised when Jesus does what he said he'd do? No. And these women walked up that day and they was going to do their obedience. They were going to anoint him. And as they walked up and they seen the empty grave, and the next thing you know, he's risen. And the Bible says that these women run back to that upper room where the men was, and they knocked on the door, and the men was inside scared, wouldn't even open the door. Who is it out there? Oh, no, they're coming to get us. And these women were out there and said, you got to come out of there, Peter. He's risen. He's alive. He said he was going to be alive. He said on the third day I'll raise again. And he's alive, Peter, come out. Well, you got to go see. And the Bible says that Peter run over there to that empty grave, and he's seen it. So I want to tell you something. These women were the first account preachers in the New Testament. The first person to ever preach of a resurrected Jesus was women. I believe in women preachers. This church was founded by a woman pastor, and she went through hell when she planted this church. And people say, oh, she's a woman. She don't need to be speaking. Oh, she's a woman. She ought to sit down and shut up and take uh, Corinthians. And they just take one little verse. And try to say, women, just shut up. I want to tell you women something in this room today. You've got a right to speak for God. Especially when you're the ones obedient and going and doing what God called you to do. And when you see the supernatural, miraculous power of God, go and tell somebody else about it. Amen? I'm so glad that I live in a country and a land where we can be open and in the air about Jesus Christ. Ain't you? So women, be preachers this week. Proclaim the good news of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Your family needs to hear you talking about it. Amen. And don't let men tell you to sit on the fence and wait for us to get done. Amen? Amen? I believe in women playing instruments. I believe in women singing. I believe in women teaching Sunday school. I believe in women down there taking care. And if women get up here and preach, I'll be it. We've had Sister Jennifer here. We've had all the woman from Tennessee a few years ago. What's her name? Emily. And them, I've had women preachers here. Why? Because I believe in it. You know why? Because it's in the Bible. And some people tell you what they believe, but it's what they believe. If it don't line up with the Bible, I'm taking the Bible over what some man tells me. Come on, somebody. Amen? Amen. Scripture is true as simple as that the bible ends discussion for me people say well i don't believe that I, if it's in the bible i can't help it if you don't believe it that's your problem that ain't my problem you better take that up with god because the bible says his word ain't changing amen he ain't gonna change it because you don't like it it don't work that way this is his word it's truth so there's some things i'm done here in just a minute 
The only gift you have is time. My secretary keeps telling me this over and over and over, that the only gift that we have is time. And she says, the older you get, the more you see it, that you've got more yesterdays than you do tomorrows. Is anybody there? Is anybody past the age where you feel like, man, I've got more yesterdays than I do tomorrows? She says, so time is the only gift I've got left. And money is not... That's not the, that's not the issue because you, you can have save up a bunch of money and leave it to your kids. So if I'll save up all you want and give it to Andrew, he'll just squander it anyway. He'll buy radios from Greg and you know he'll, he'll just go buy another car and he'll like his old car. Right, Pat, Pat, live it up, man. Don't don't save up no money. <laughs> the Bible does say leave an inheritance for your kids to the third and fourth generation. That'd be hard, wouldn't it? Hard enough to leave enough for one. So there's nothing wrong with saving money, but money is not your that's not your gift. Time is your gift. Clothes, they'll rot away. I was in an old house from the late 1800s there the day, and, and this old couple lived in it, and when they passed away, it's just set vacant. It's empty. I got some newspapers out of it from 1935. It's, it's been sitting dormant for a long time. And there was old 1920s model uh, jackets and coats inside of the closets in this house, and I walked in, and I was like, that's awesome. That looks like something Amy would wear. She likes vintage. She likes that old school stuff. There's nothing wrong with it. I love it too. I love history. And these old coats, I picked a hanger up and, and it, it just the, the sleeve would literally fall apart because the Bible says that moths and rust will corrupt. That these things will pass away. Time is the gift you have. Houses, you can build them. And I know the three little pigs and all the different stuff and all that. It, Houses are gonna—they're gonna fall in. They're not gonna last eternally. There's only one thing that's eternal. That's heaven. And that should be what we focus on, because it's gonna be a lot longer than what this is. And it may be seem like, well, man, I've been living 43 years. It seems like forever. Imagine what eternity is gonna be. It's gonna be forever. Houses will fall in. Jesus predicted his death, burial, and resurrection. And he announced it ahead of time. He told his disciples he was going to get out of the grave. He wasn't going to stay there. He proclaimed it. He taught it. He encouraged others with it. And next Sunday is Easter. That's the time we celebrate every year this death, burial, and resurrection. I'm so excited that we get to do a baptism next week for Aunt Nancy. Because it's a picture of that. Death, burial, and resurrection. It's an absolute picture of that. If he predicted that and announced it ahead of time, should you be announcing Easter ahead of time? Is there people in this community that needs to hear about a Jesus that loves them. About a Jesus that won't judge them. About a Jesus that won't condemn them. But about a Jesus that loves them and will fix them and will mold them and do that. Scripture's full of all kinds of places that'll teach us that. But what I've done, I've printed these little invite cards and I want everybody in here to get one 
And these cards I want you to use as a a ticket to heaven. I want you to think about that little that little invite card as a ticket to heaven. And I want us to pray about who we're going to give that ticket to. Who do I want to come with me next Sunday? And who, who needs to hear of this Jesus that Pastor Ben's been preaching about? There's somebody that you come in contact with or in your family or somebody you love that needs to hear. And God has put them in your path so that you can speak to them. And I don't want you playing ahead about what all you're going to say when you get there. I want you to look at it the way Jesus told his disciples right here. When you're there, depend on God in that moment to speak on his behalf. Amen? So won't you stand with me? And let's pray. I want you to pray that God would specifically show you exactly who to send that, take that to. Just the same way that he was so specific to that angel and give him charge to the exact place to go and the exact tax to do. I want you to pray that God will be that specific with you. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name and I ask you, Lord, that to empower your church. Lord, we know today through your word that you are living on the inside of us as Christians. And help us to pronounce your name with power. I pray that you would give every person in this room that's holding this ticket this invite card to Easter next Sunday. God, I pray that you would just allow them to go with destiny in their mind and that you will give them words to say and it will be words of life that the individual they hand it to will sense and know I've got to get there. Empower us to be your witnesses that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name. Amen.